Welcome to the Adventure Deficit Podcast. We're here to promote lifelong learning through the context of adventure. Through our one-on-one interviews, we capture in-depth stories across a variety of subjects, emphasizing a new life lesson in every episode. We're on a mission to entertain, educate, and inspire you to embrace new challenges, reflect, push through fears, and get out there in search of your own adventures. We passionately pursue good story, and we'll run, climb, wade, ride, hunt, ski, or paddle our way into new ones, all in search of continual growth. We call it taking our medicine, and we invite you to join us for today's dose. Today we are joined by Tony Kelly. Tony's a father, he is an entrepreneur, and he's a climber. He's got a, an epic story about a rock climbing near incident uh, by which he drew a life lesson, and uh, he's going to share that with the Adventure Deficit community today. Tony, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you uh, jumping on board. Uh, really excited for our episode today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us uh, give us the bre- background info on uh, on the early Tony Kelly story. Yeah, um, so I, I grew up in Michigan, born and raised, um, kind of grew up in northern Michigan, kind of came from a broken home, some divorce early on, and then my mom remarried and we moved and um, but had a great stepdad and just a number of stepbrothers and sisters and all that. I've always I've always kind of enjoyed the outdoors, um, you know, climbing on trees and, and all that stuff. So pretty um, different in the sense that you did life with uh, new siblings, um, but it sounded like the uh, the melded family worked pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked well. My um, my mom passed away when I was 14, though. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, um, you know, so so kind of experienced some early tragedy. Some trauma early on. For sure. Um, and, and, and I think that what it did for me was um, I had to grow up quickly. Yeah. Because um, I was the oldest um, at home. And so I kind of had to step up and, and help take care of my brother and sister Step up your game for yeah, sure. Yeah, so man. this was when I was 14, so just getting into high school. Um, what high school were you in? So I went to Oscoda okay. High School. Okay. So it's, it's one of the one of those small towns up north that whenever you mention it, everyone's like, oh, yeah, my grandparents had a cottage up there. Or, oh, yeah, we'd go up there, you know, vacationing. <laughs> so, you know, hunting, fishing, and, and all that jazz. So Yeah, kind of so. Uh, kind of once the summer's wrapped up, it turns turns into the the regular town yeah, yeah right exactly yep. okay okay or save for november 15th through december right, 1st yeah, right? hunting yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah, got got into to music and punk rock and and all that uh, was a little little crazy had uh, a lot of skateboarding and inline skating and snowboarding back in the day kind of uh, grew up during that uh during that punk grunge era where, oh, yeah, where yeah. every kid had a pair of uh, inline skates with grinding plates on them oh right? for sure for okay. sure yeah late 90s yeah everyone was everyone was doing that yeah i believe i had a pair as well <laughs> yeah it was that was a lot of fun okay yeah. cool yeah um so summer nights uh, spent skateboarding, playing punk, listening to punk. Who was who was your favorite band? I was into a lot of like ska punk, so oh, like yeah. Five Iron Frenzy, the and Boston's, Mighty Mighty Boston, yeah, I remember Real that. Big Fish and all that. Cool. So yeah, yeah. that was your jam. That was yeah, that was my jam. So. Nice man. <laughs> um, but uh, 
childhood was was somewhat compromised at 14, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then went off went off to college and um, did more more music and stuff. And yeah, I went to Michigan Tech way up in the north. Um, nice. So I did a bunch of snowboarding up there. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, looking back on it, I really wish um, I would have spent more time outside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adventuring and, and doing stuff there um, besides snowboarding. But, you know, I was vo- heavily involved in school and school activities and then, you know, my band, my band in college as well. So what was the name? So the Pissed Off Androids. Pissed Off yep. Androids. Shout out to the POA Army. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, cool. So what uh, what did you study at Michigan Tech? I studied um, computer engineering. Okay, so definitely a, uh, a computer whiz. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, and, and the funny thing was, I found that um, after spending four years at college and you're focused on studies and everything else, you know, the tech industry moved so fast. Even back then, you know, this was early two thousands, that I uh, I kind of lost, you know, all of that going into college, like I was so smart on the latest and greatest thing. And so you kind of lose that, you know, over the time. So, um, I'm, I'm definitely not like a big, big tech nerd. Like I'm okay. a little, I like, I like to keep stuff simple. Uh, I just like, even within the last couple of years, got my first smartphone. You know? Oh really? <laughs> so, yeah. Which is funny. Cause <laughs> it is funny how quick, uh, technology becomes obsolete. Oh yeah, that and that and that's that frustrates me <laughs> more yeah. than ever. Yeah. So it's a fast moving world. Yeah. For you. Um okay, so you graduated uh f- up in, in Marquette or it was Michigan Tech. Yeah, Michigan Tech. Yeah. We like to call we like to call uh uh Northern Michigan, which is in Marquette, we like to call them Southern Michigan University because okay. they were like so, south of us. <laughs> so are you up like by Copper Harbor then? Yeah, it's Houghton. It's yeah, it's pretty close to Copper Harbor. Yeah, it's wow, pretty, man, pretty way up there. There's, there's a cool little ski hill up there. Uh, I can't, I think it is Mount Bohemia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that get, the it used to be a backcountry ski area. Yep. Um, which we never went to because we were poor college students, and the school had its own small Mount Ripley like ski hill. So really, that's where we we snowboarded all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Anybody thinking about going up uh, to live way north? Uh, yeah, it's 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 a cool it's a cool place. Is it is it decent as far as uh, college life? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a great yeah it's a great. So transition us from uh, from kind of college years into basically wound up into the rock climbing realm. Um, <laughs> walk us through kind of kind of how that that stage in life progressed. Yeah, so I had. Um, I had met my, um, well, now now ex-wife, but we were high school sweethearts, so 16 and 15, and she skateboarded, and snow, we met snowboarding, so we were kind of always into adventurous stuff together, and then, you know, we kind of went off to separate colleges, you know, for four years, um, then came back together, we got married, um, and started, started a job in Grand Rapids, and we we loved to travel and um you know we traveled to concerts and camping and outdoor stuff um and then we had a friend that had invited her to go rock climbing indoor rock climbing and um someone who we had met through our adoption group um and i 
for whatever reason, and part of it, I think, was my experience with rock climbers up at Michigan Tech, because there was some rock climbers up there. Okay. Um, but I always thought that they were dirty hippies. <laughs> and being kind of the punk rocker that I was, like, I don't know, I just didn't like the, you know, their style. And, like, I don't know, I just didn't like hanging out with them. And... And so I was like, oh, rock climbing is stupid, you know. But my ex-wife kept saying, oh, we, let's go. We got to go. We are, our friend, you know, invited us. So so I finally went. We did, you know, we did indoor rock climbing in Byron Center. Inside moves? Yeah, it did inside moves. And we we got done, and I was like, what the heck? Like, I've always been a rock climber. I just didn't know it. <laughs> it was it was so weird. It was like, it just felt so natural um yeah you know like i said i've, I've always and i i used to do um like freestyle walking and and all that stuff you know jumping off of things um and climbing up on stuff um like parkour type yeah parkour stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah doing that climbing trees and all that um i don't know so just rock climbing just was super nat i wasn't very good at it um, yeah you know but you had start. the basic the basic stuff but yeah just like the the flow of the the, the movement and um you know and then obviously at this point i, I you know, got out of my, uh, you know, hatred of that hippie, hippie lifestyle. and Stopped uh, hating. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, became a little more mature. Yeah, you know. sure. We um, all knew. <laughs> and so, yeah, just, just the whole thing in the community was, was really awesome. That's, that's one of the things that I found, um, especially at Inside Moves, but just the climbing community in general is just so friendly and um, just, in general, just a loving group of people. Um, so we instantly hit it off with all these people and that kind of became, you know, a second home, uh, to me and, and kind of still is to, to this day. Cool. So. so inside moves, did you write, you felt the flow, you got in there and, uh, and realized that this whole time that you had been condescending toward a, an entire community <laughs> of, of dirty, yeah, dirty hippies, dirt yeah, bags. Yeah. They, uh, they're good people. They embraced you and they made you feel like one of theirs. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's super fun. <laughs> cool. Um, where'd you go from there? Yeah. I mean, we, we joined with, a. actually we started rock climbing right before we adopted our son. Um, and, um, and then shortly, shortly after he came back. Um, so this was 2011. Okay. Um, we we did our first outdoor rock climbing trip. So we've been climbing in the gym for a while. And man, I tell you what, that the first time like climbing outside, and this was in um, the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, just you know camping and rock climbing and hanging out with everyone, it, it was kind of life altering. It was just it just felt so good and so right. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was just a blast. And um, and so we together like our whole family we would we would go down to kentucky um climbing and we'd take our son with us um camping and he loves he loves camping and, oh, cool. and hanging out um and we'd even get him on the rock you know <laughs> from from an early age so yeah yeah so that yeah it was just so group groups of folks heading down there yeah there'd usually be six to ten people uh, okay going on these trips yeah and, i get it that's, yeah we just have a cool. lot of fun fun together yeah everybody so. comes off the wall makes dinner kids go to bed bonfire oh yeah, yeah all of sitting it. around the fire yeah and, yeah just sharing stories um and just sharing life really um you know you get really close to people when you drive 
eight hours, you know, in a car to, to Kentucky to, to go rock climbing. So yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Red River Gorge in t- Kentucky was your first outdoor experience. Um, were you hooked at this point, Tony? I mean, it, it, yeah, for sure. You were, you were done. Like, yeah. It, it was, was, it was like, yep, this is, I, I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of sports. I, I played, you know, I dabbled in just about every sport and I was never really good at any, any of them. Okay. Um, I played soccer like throughout high school. Yep. Um, but, and I snowboarded, but still I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't feel very competent really in anything, but yeah, as soon as I started rock climbing, like it definitely felt like the type of activity that um, I could give myself to and, you know, be pretty decent at, you know, if I, if I put in a lot of time training and, yeah, man, and you're, working at it. You're so built like a rock climber, <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're an ideal rock climbers yep. frame, size, weight, yep, lightweight. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Sometimes I'm a little short, so sometimes I wish uh, I could reach higher, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you compensate though. You just you get, get good at dinos. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Jumping and uh, high feet. <laughs> yeah. There you go. They work. Yep. Cool. Um, okay. So what, uh, what transpired after this red river, uh, red river trip? What, what kind of got you, uh, to the point where, where we're talking about life together? Yeah. Well, um, you know, everything, everything seemed to be to going to be going well with life with work and rock climbing and all this and then you know life life happens and you know some some things went down uh, between my wife and I and she didn't want to be married anymore and it was the hardest time in my life um yeah it was it was really hard um and and I, uh, I kind of used rock climbing as a, as a means of escape, you know, to kind of help deal with it. Um, but also being surrounded by the community, uh, of friends that I had, um, I think really helped me get through that. Yeah. Um, so I remember the, it was a spring of 2014 and she had just filed for divorce and I had planned a trip with a couple guys out to um, Red Rocks in Nevada to go rock climbing. It was my first time doing some big wall climbing. So this was more than, you know, 100-foot pit pitches. Mul- this was multi-pitch okay. climbing where, you know, you're going 600 to 1,000 feet, you know, up a wall. And, um, and I remember we did this really hard, this really hard route. And... And I was attached to the wall. You know, you got two bolts in this rock face, and that's all that's holding you up. And it's 70 degrees outside, and the sun is shining on me, and I'm belaying my uh, my partner. And and I'm looking out over the desert. Yeah. And I just had this this sense of, you know what? everything's going to be all right. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and, you know, kind of just the, the presence. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, so, you know, I felt the presence of God, you know, with me right then. And, and, and I knew that, that even though I was going through, you know, a really hard time, that I was going to be all right. And, you know, and, and so rock climbing itself, you know, kind of, kind of was able to bring me to these, you know, amazing places 
to just escape and, and get away from, uh, you know, from, from the hard stuff. So take a deep breath, regroup. Exactly. Yeah. So, which is well needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after something as heavy as the divorce. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, awesome. So how long was that trip with your, with your fellas? Usually. Uh, so I think that one was a four or five day. Um, that's typically how, how long we go. Kind of a long, take a long weekend. Are you camping out on the wall? Do you put a portal edge up? <laughs> no, we haven't. We haven't done that yet. Um, that's is that on the horizon. It is on the horizon. Yeah, we had a we had a plan uh, to do that um, last fall. Um, it's it's a lot of lot of logistics and it's a lot of weight <laughs> to carry yeah. Yeah. and to hike in with. So um, we haven't haven't quite done that, but we typically go light and fast and cool. and do everything in a day. Cool. So I, I would say like. Five, six pitches is probably the most you can handle without doing portal edge stuff, right? No, actually, I uh, just, so that trip I just got back from, um, we were out there uh, last week in Nevada. Yeah. And me and my buddy, we did a 20 pitch route uh, that was 2,500 vertical feet of climbing. And the, Seriously, <laughs> the day it was a 19-hour day. <laughs> How so we, pumped were you? Oh my goodness, it was it was amazing because I've been I've been looking at this. So it's it's a line that goes up to the top of Mount Wilson, which is kind of the highest point in the Red Rock Canyon, and um, yeah, so we you move fast, but it it still took us. Like I said, it it was 12 hours of climbing and you know, hour and a half approach and five and a half hours to walk off the back of this thing. <laughs> Whoa. So, so you were on the wall for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 12 hours of climbing. Like I can't straight yeah, up. I it's... can't get my, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a small niche who, uh, who can completely speak that language, but for a guy who, you know, top ropes from time yeah. to time, that's not, yeah, that's not even part of my, my wheelhouse. I right. can't get my mind around being on a wall for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's serious business, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you, yeah. you just climb and climb and climb and. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, I mean, yeah. how tough are these routes? Is this, I mean, are, are you climbing continually like five, eight to five, 10 type stuff? Yeah. So okay. this, this route was a mixed route. Um, it was a, the first part of it was rated 510C. Um, so there was a bunch, there was a lot of bolts, but then there were um, a lot of pitches of climbing where you had to put in trad gear. Trad gear, okay. So it's like 5859 trad climbing, which is legit. Yeah, it's pretty hard, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're on hour 10. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Wow, so, cool. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. All right, so where's the Portal Edge uh, plan come into play? Are you going to be uh, are you going to be heading out to Yosemite Valley? Oh man, Yosemite is definitely definitely on the horizon. Um, the logistics of it are just just a lot more than than what we do uh, you know on a on a short like 4 or 5 day trip. Yeah. So but yeah, we definitely definitely would I'd love to do that um, for sure. Wow. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, Tony, uh, tell us your adventure story from the start. Uh, Tony's got a, a wild and crazy, um, it kind of a, a hair-raising, uh, oh my gosh moment that nearly cost him. Um, and he's going to tell us kind of the details on, on what went down. So without further ado, I'll give you the, uh, the limelight here. Yeah. So, so I have, um, 
an adventure blog um, called Adventures with Failure, and this is one of the stories that I've you know, I've written about on there. Um, and it, it started off uh, a normal three-day uh, rock climbing weekend with a group of buddies down to the Red River Gorge. Um, on the second day of our climbing, um, we were in Miller Fork, and I wanted to uh, climb this traditional route um, called Disco Strangler. It's a 5.8 um, route. So this is a crack um, where you put you know gear in as you go up. And it's kind of a weird route because it has... Uh, this big refrigerator-sized chalk stone, like, stuck into this crack. So you have to kind of maneuver around that, and then you climb above it. And um, and I was climbing on this, and I had... I was in a spot where I was kind of stuck in the crack, and I didn't have really good feet, and I was trying... I placed a piece of gear, and um, I, has, was, I was pulling up the rope, to, to clip and, um, my foot came off and I fell and my buddy caught me with the rope, but I still fell a good 10, 15 feet and my foot, your last piece of gear. Yeah. So my last piece of gear, yeah, caught. Um, but my, my heel hits this big rock that's sticking out kind of a ledge, you know, this, this thing. Um, and it, it really hurt, but you know, got adrenaline going through you, you know, so I, so I ended up finishing the route, um, getting back on and climbing up. Um, I could tell that you know my foot was kind of hurt, but uh, but I was still I was still you know determined to, to finish it. Yeah, that's kind of how I am, you know I'm, just, I'm always going to try to finish. Um, so I finished the route, got down to the ground, and and I, I could barely walk because my my heel you know hurt so bad. Um, and this was this was probably midday of, of, of this climbing climbing trip on day two. Was it all black and blue and starting to swell in your shoe? Or it was, was it? it was it was definitely swelling up. Yeah. Um, you know the heel's a pretty fat, you know, kind of a fatty muscle. So I don't think it turned black and blue until much later. Okay. <laughs> um, but what it did was it it made me go lay in the hammock. So you shatter you smoke your heel on this big this big boulder. And uh, you're gonna tap out for a little while, so you yeah. gotta take a CS the time in the hammock. Yeah. So yeah, if you know if you know me, I'm the guy that's you know first one first one out to the wall in the morning. Uh, we call it Alpine Start, man. Just as soon as the sun's up, we're we're climbing, and I'm the last one to leave. You know, so to ha- to have to sit and lay in a hammock and watch my friends climb, ah, it was torture. it was the worst. It was torture. Um, but again, you know hanging out with all my friends, you know, still, you know, it's beautiful weather. Um, it was still, you know, for the circumstances, you know, still pretty good. Um, so I'm sitting in the hammock and just watching my, my friends climb and, and, uh, my friends, Aaron and Dave put up this, this, uh, sport climb, you know, kind of right in front of me and um, kind of a hard thing. And they were falling all over, you know, and they, they finally finished it. And, uh, my friend Dave, um, he's the last one to climb it. So he, he sets up the rope, you know, to do a rappel. And that's where, you know, you kind of put the rope through two rings or chains, depending on what it is at the top of the route that are bolted, permanent anchors. Um, and you put the rope down the route. Um, and usually you put it about halfway. Um, and then you hook up, uh, a device, usually an ATC, and then you kind of put it through both pieces of the rope, 
and then you can that's attached to you and then you can basically slide down the rope um, to get down to the bottom right so it's a typical you know rock climbing descent yep. method and that's what we've all seen i yeah. mean when somebody gets gets their feet underneath them and they peer over the edge and oh yeah the, the moment <laughs> of of no return so to speak but yep. basically what exactly. you're describing is where somebody would would um rig their rope their climbing rope through the atc and basically use their hand their down hand as like their arrest their arrest point yeah right? to stop your yeah, break yeah. yep exactly to okay. break as you're as you're coming down okay so he he throws throws the ropes down he's getting all set and i look at the rope um i'm like dave hey why didn't you tie any stopper knots in the rope so that's where you tie a knot a small knot in each of the ends of the rope um because in big wall climbing, you know, if you're doing multi-pitch climbing where you're hundreds of feet in the air and you have to do multiple repels to descend, um, one of the big dangers is repelling off of the, the rope <laughs> and, and sliding right off. Coming on, I mean, you're just free falling right, oh, right yeah. off the end of the rope. Yeah, and so you put these stopper knots on there to make sure that nothing like that happens, right? So it's, you know, it's a safety measure. Okay, so your buddy Dave forgets to tie tie your your safety knots at the bottom of your rappel line. Yeah, you shout at him, <laughs> give him, you rib him a little bit, rightly so. Yep, and and in and in this case, you know, when you're doing a single pitch route, you know, it it isn't critical. But what I told him, and this is and this is kind of the, what I was, you know, giving him some crap for. I was like, I was like, dude. If you don't do it every time, there's going to be a circumstance where you don't do it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you got to get into the habit. Yeah. Because if you don't create those good habits, you know, like wearing your helmet while rock climbing, <laughs> you know, most of the time you're fine. But it's, you know, those single instances where things go wrong and especially with something safety critical, you know, I mean, you can get seriously injured. So, so the cool part though is he's like, oh yeah, you're right, you know, but the guys that taught me, you know, how to rock climb, we, we never tie knots and all this. And so, you know, we kind of had this back and forth exchange. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, our community and my, you know, my group of friends is, so we sat there and discussed for, you know, a good half hour of the pros and cons and why, why you do it and, you know, why you wouldn't do it at certain, you know, certain circumstances and all that. Um, so yeah, so we just had this good long conversation, you know, about this. Um, and though eventually we get end of the day, we hike out, you know, I could barely hike out. <laughs> you got your like, bum wheel. Oh man, it was, it was hurting so bad. Yeah. Um, so next morning we decided to go, uh, half of us were going to split and go home. Um, the other half, we're going to get up and, and go climbing for half, you know, take a half a day before we drive back to Michigan. Okay. Um, and I decided to stay with the group of people, even though I, I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to climb. I could barely walk. Um, so I decided to, to, to hike in um, with my friends. Um, took took a while to hike in. Um, and decided to, to give climbing to try again. Um, and, and actually, climbing wasn't that bad because you're on your toes a lot more. Um, you know, and so... So yeah, actually, you're not heel striking. You're yeah, just... usually, yeah, usually you're not using the back of your foot all that much. Um, so I was able to actually do a couple climbs. I just did it on top rope. Um, and so 
so we're sitting there doing, you know, climbing all together. And, uh, I do, I do this kind of easier route. It's like a five, nine, you know, maybe 60 foot, um, sport climb. Okay. And, and I was the last one to do it. Um, and my buddy Ben, who was belaying me, he wanted to he wanted to go do another climb, and I was like, "Oh man, that's fine. I'll you know I'll set up rappel and um, you know get down myself or whatever." And so, so I'm sitting at the at the top of this climb and um, just enjoying the beautiful. The sun had come out, you know, and I was just enjoying the the beautiful weather. Cool. Um, and my, my friend Aaron was climbing a route next to me. So I was kind of watching him, you know, kind of from a bird's eye view. It was kind of a neat perspective. Kind of cheering him on. Yeah, yeah, top. cheering him on and yelling. Yeah. And um, that's the other thing I love about the climbing community. It's super supportive, you know, when, like everyone's, you know, doing their doing their thing and, and everyone is cheering each other on. So, yeah, I found that it's an incredibly encouraging community. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, so I'm sitting at the top. And, um, and after, you know, resting in the sun for a little bit, decide, all right, it's time, time to, to set up my rappel and and, and go down. So I kind of pull up the rope and, you know, do, do what I need to put a rope, put the rope through the chains and all that, pull it through, make sure I tie my safety knot, you know, toss, toss it down. Um, then I sat there for a little, little while longer, um, just, just enjoying taking you know, it all in. Yeah, being being there. So, uh, I get all set with my rappel device and um, unhook my personal anchor from the you know from the anchor, and and I start sliding down the rope. And in this route, you couldn't you couldn't see the ground because um, it was kind of a kind of a bulge that you had to go around. So. Um, so I start going down and I was getting to the point where I could start to see the ground, um, probably 30 feet in the air, still about halfway. And all of a sudden I just stop and I'm like, that's not good. And I look down and, um, my little, um, call it an auto lock, um, a little piece of rope that's wrapped around, um, below your uh, ATC device um, was caught in my stopper knot. And I, looked, and I looked at that and I go, uh-oh. Because <laughs> that means... You're out I, of rope. I'm out of rope on the one side and I almost repelled off my rope. Oh, my word. And I'm going, what? You know, immediately like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> you know? And so there was a bolt in front of me so I attach myself to the bolt and I'm like, what the heck happened? So I'm just hanging there, you know, 30 feet above the ground and my heart's racing. Cause I just realized I almost just repelled off my, off my rope. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about, when you're talking about doing six pitches and you're, you're talking about 2000 feet, mm-hmm. 30 feet seems pretty, um, pretty irrelevant, but you get your feet dangling, uh, 30 feet above, above hard ground. Yeah. And tell me what you think, whether uh, or not you're going to make it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's life threatening. For sure. No, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you're going to for sure break bones. Definitely. It, it would, yeah. Would have ruined my day if not. Yeah. Wow. Very serious consequences. So, so I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the top and reset up my rope. Um, so I, 
I managed to, you know, hike myself, you know, using the rope and, uh, and everything to get back to the top and reattach, reassess and, and, uh, and put the rope through. And, and, and all I can figure is that, you know, with me kind of enjoying the day and not paying good attention, I just hadn't pulled the rope all the way through to the halfway point. Um, but because of the habit and, and because of our previous conversation the day before of, you know, tying those safety knots, man, it saved my life. Wow. <laughs> and so was your buddy, the buddy that, uh, that you were, you were having it out with, was he there to witness? He was not there to witness, but I gave him a call on our drive home. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Told him this story. And, and he the said, other, the other boys saw it, right? Oh yeah. Dave, they, Dave saw it. Yeah. So okay. yeah, they, uh, they all were like, yep, that's, uh, that's New definitely rule. a lesson, <laughs> a lesson. Yeah, for sure. So you don't want to, you don't want to put too many, uh, safety protocols to the test yourself. For sure. Yeah. Although it's hard to connect with safety protocols from a classroom setting, yeah. so to speak, yep. unless you've got somebody who says, here's why. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes the here's why folks aren't around anymore. Right. Right. Yep. So you've got a a very unique opportunity to tell your buddies, hey, here's why we do this. Yep. Yeah. So, so cool, man. Uh, Did you get the, did you get the shakes afterwards? I was, I was a little, I was a little shaken up. I mean, it's, it's when, when something like that happens and you come pretty close to having a bad accident, you know, you kind of, you start to (laughs) start to think about life and, you know, just how close you came. So I was very, very fortunate that, yeah, the, the, the power of the habit that I had gotten into, uh, you know, saved me in that circumstance. So. Power of the habit. Cool. Yeah, All right. So if there's a life lesson that you would attach to this one, um, shoot, try for a sentence uh, that, that summarizes what you took away from that. Yeah. I mean, I think especially when it comes to, to safety, um, critical things, um, when you're doing any sort of adventure sports. Um, you just got to get in the habit of, of doing those safety, uh, safety things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't have to be much more than that. It's right. just, it's important to, uh, to kind of forgo some of maybe some of the stigmas, yeah. um, that might coexist with wearing a helmet or tying a safety knot, but, yeah. um, man, it doesn't matter how, how much experience you have. The one time that you, that you slip up is often the time where you screw up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, and there's a famous, uh, story in, in the rock climbing world with Lynn Hill, who is the, um, yeah. she climbed the, um, we had the first, she had, she had half as- dome, yeah, right? first free ascent of El Cap. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, but she was climbing in France doing some sport climbing and, um, started tying her rope. Then she took off a jacket and was talking to someone else, started climbing and she got to the top and when she took, you know, which is when they, you know, they, they pulled the rope tight, her knot came undone because she hadn't finished tying that knot. The figure eight and was only one was only, pass ha- only halfway done. Oh my word. And down she came. So even, yeah, like you said, with experience, I mean, it can happen to anyone. So <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. Wow, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Adventure Deficit Podcast. After today's story, head on over to www.adventuredeficit.com where you can find today's episode on the main slider, including show notes, photos, and links to other resources. 
scroll down for more content, including short stories and gear reviews. Since our show is fully listener supported, we've included a method to receive one-time donations of $10, $25, or $50 gifts. We accept most major credit cards through secured checkout by PayPal, and we'd like to thank you for your contribution to keep the content moving along in 2018. Last but not least, feel free to leave us some feedback and let us know how we can continue to serve our listening community. That's all I have. Enjoy the rest of the show. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. for showing, thanks for uh, sharing your story. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony's got a company that uh, that came a bit out of necessity. Um, it's a it's a really a, a start from scratch uh, kitchen based home kitchen based um, all natural granola bar company uh, called Beta Bars, and I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about that, and then uh, I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions, and we can get out of here. Yeah, Tony, yeah. what uh, what was the impetus for Beta Bars, man? Yeah, beta bars kind of started um, when I found out my son was gluten sensitive, um, so he can't have wheat, and um, just trying to find some good snacks and snack bars, and I realized most granola bars had wheat or some form of wheat in them, even if they're an oatmeal-based um, bar. So I, I've always um, experimented in the kitchen, and I love to cook and um, do other stuff uh, like that, and so I started just experimenting with, with granola bars. And I kind of found a recipe that I liked that was a a raw recipe. So you don't bake it at all. Um, you just dehydrate it. So everything kind of goes in a food processor and then, um, then you dehydrate it. So you, you keep all of the natural enzymes in the, the nuts and the fruits and everything. Not cooking out the protein. Yep. Um, and so I started making the bars for him and then I naturally started taking them on climbing trips because they were great, you know, energy, uh, an energy source. And so all my friends, you know, I'd share them with everyone and, and all my buddies were like, dude, you got to sell these things. You know, they're so good. Um, and at the time I was just making, you know, just one flavor, a chocolate chip, you know? Okay. And, uh, then, then one of my friends put in an order and he's like, all right, you gotta, you gotta sell these to me. (laughs) So, so then I had to quickly figure out, all right, how do I, you know, how do I turn this into a, you know, a small little, company and you know and to sell them to people so so that's what I'm doing yeah and uh I have 11 different flavors that I make um I deliver everywhere in West Michigan for free and I sell them uh, at a farmer's market the Kentwood farmer's market in the summer oh cool we'll check you out down there yeah yeah I've got two of them sitting right here with me and uh Tony's got not only 11 flavors but he's got mystery flavors so (laughs) I've got two incognito Wax paper wrapped uh, beta bars with uh, with flavors uh, yet to be discovered. So I'm excited to check those out. Yeah, yeah. Um, where can we find more info on them and uh, how do we buy them? Yeah, so just betabars.com. Um, and I've got all my flavors listed there. Um, and I also make custom bars, so that's, that's the ones that you have there. Um, and uh, yeah, you can just... I've got my phone number on, on the website or um, there's a little message box where you can email me um, through through the website. So And then I'll deliver them. Betabars.com. That's awesome, man. And you're yeah. delivering free in West Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Rapid fire. Yeah. Tony, uh, what's your favorite uh, place to climb in the Midwest? In the Midwest has got to be the Red River Gorge. 
So down in Kentucky, kind of in the deep south, and it is just a beautiful place. The hikes uh, in the middle of the woods um, are just gorgeous, and then the rock climbing is, you know, it's world class, and it's not that far away. So, yeah, I love it. What would you say, uh, aside from your helmet, is your most important piece of gear? Aside from your helmet and harness, I should say. <laughs> your staples. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, my my trusty rock climbing shoes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I like it. Yep. What's your favorite non-critical piece of gear? Favorite non-critical piece of gear uh, is belay specs. So I had a pair of these... Um, I recently lost them, so I got to get another pair. But they, uh, you can put them on and look straight ahead, and they bend the light um, so you can look up and see your climber and not get the neck strain that oh, everyone gets cool. from having to look up while you're belaying. So, cool. yeah, those are those are super handy. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They probably look a little dorky. Yeah, they, all they look nerdy. But. <laughs> <laughs> What's your preferred brand of, of rope, harness, or... Uh, or hardware? Yeah, so I I climb on Beal ropes. Um, I just bought bought a, two new ropes, um, and they're amazing. And then uh, I, I climb with La Sportiva shoes. shoes. So the TC Pros are, that's what we do in a, when we climb out in the big walls. And, man, they're comfortable, and they you last. You wear them all day. Uh, they wear them all day, and they just stick on the tiniest, you know, tiniest little thing. So cool. For sure. What makes a good climbing rope? Why do you, why do you go with Beal? Um, well, I had, I've had a, another Beal rope for several years and it, uh, it's done me really well. So, uh, tried and true. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to even think how yeah, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, you've got variety of you've, the the only real options you have are diameter and coatings, right? Yeah, there's yeah. I like I like the Beal. Um, the one rope I have is uh, bi color, so it's got two different color patterns, so you can easily tell the Find middle the of the rope. Point. So that's good for repelling good. stuff. So yeah, that but, makes sense. No, I, I, now I, I can understand why you'd want that. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's held up really well because I've I've taken it all over the U.S. and, and all over uh, North America as well, and it's it's held up really well. So. Nice. How long can you usually expect to get, uh, I mean, as far as lifespan of a rope, how much how much uh, are you getting out of that? Three seasons, two seasons? Yeah, for, for an average climber that's, you know, doing, I don't know, I take 10 to 15 trips a year. Um, I mean, they'll last three, four, or five years. Um, if you take a, If you take a lot of, big falls on it. Um, you know, if you're doing some like really hard sport climbing, Mm -hmm. um, then you'll tend to retire it earlier than that. Um, and sometimes you'll end up cutting parts of the rope if, if they get, they get damaged, if you take some big falls, but you know, they'll last, they'll last quite a while. And they're not getting, I mean, they're just getting damaged on friction points, right? Yeah. You kind of wear out the sheath, um, that rubs, you know, that's the part that kind of rubs over the rock Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, where would you recommend uh, somebody who's thinking about trying this out for the first time go to get uh, proper instruction, outfitted with some some gear, and uh, access to a wall, be it big wall, small wall, indoors or outdoors? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing and, and the easiest thing to do is to, to find a, a local climbing gym. Um, you know, here, here in Grand Rapids, me and my crew climb at Inside Moves and, um, it's an amazing community and, uh, everyone, you know, welcomes new climbers and, you know, kind of shows them the lo- the ropes literally. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'd say, I'd say just meet up with people who already know how to do it. Um, is, is the, the best way, um, to go about it. And, and you'll find that they'll, uh, they'll often invite you, you know, to go climbing outside. So that's kind of how we've gathered our crew of people is, you know, I was invited to go on some trips with people. And, um, and whenever I see, you know, someone new, especially someone who's just excited about getting out and, you know, having some adventure outside, you know, say, Hey, why don't you join us, you know, come along. And I've met a lot of really good friends and some close friends just from inviting them. And, you know, you kind of get really close on, uh, on some of these trips. For sure. So get some yeah. good wind, windshield time in and yeah. some campfire time. Yep. Um, have you been up, uh, I know inside moves is kind of South, South town, South side, uh, gym. Have you done anything, uh, on, on the North central, um, higher ground? Yep. Have you been there? I haven't been there actually. Okay. okay. <laughs> They actually, uh, they actually just recently bought Inside Moves. So the owners of uh, Higher Ground now own Inside Moves. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. it kind of changed ownership within this last year. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Um, that might be another one that you can go check out. Yeah. Have you done any outside climbing uh, in, the, in the Lansing area, Grand Ledge? You yeah. That? Cl- yeah. That was, that was actually my first, first place I went to, uh, to do out, outdoor climbing. What'd you think? It's, it was fun. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's not very technical. I mean, you can get into some harder stuff, but it definitely uh, is very dirty. <laughs> it's the way I describe it. It's very it's it's sandstone stone. Um, it's not it, real if, not real bomber. Yeah, it, it falls apart. It's pretty brittle. Yeah. Um, but it's I mean, it's a it's a fun place to to go and to go and play and um, you know you kind of set up some top rope there and, and climb. Good. So I've taken I've taken some people there. Um, you know. Okay to climb. So I'm trying to figure out if, uh, if that sounds like something my family would do, um, even as soon as this spring. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was curious, we, we paddled past it with our kayaks. Um, yeah. on, cause the grand is right yeah, there. Yeah. The river is right there. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's cool. Oh, it's a beautiful place. I mean, that's yeah, for sure. It's, it's a good place to get out and, and spend, spend a day upon uh, closer inspection. It, it looked brittle <laughs> and, uh, not maybe not brittle, but it looked like it would it would kind of cake away. Yeah, some of it does. Yeah, especially uh, up top. A little sketchy. Yeah, and I was just curious if that would be a good spot to to learn, um, or to teach my wife and kids. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a decent place. It's certainly much closer than uh, Red River. The Gorge. Red River Gorge, which is yeah. eight hours away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, cool. Um, you have any books that you read? I um, I read a lot of. Uh, fiction. So I read some science fiction, um, and, um, yeah, I I just finished reading the fourth, well, it's kind of a fourth book in, um, the Red Rising, um, series, um, by Pierce, I think it's Pierce Brown. Um, it's really, really neat book. So recommended for, uh, for our fellow adventurers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, he's, he's really good at world building. So he kind of paints, you know, some really, really neat pictures of, of Mars and all these other planets that kind of 
inhabit the the universe in the in the book. So. I've heard other people say that too. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, cool. Uh, any other resources that you might turn uh, turn a novice toward as far as uh, getting into this this climbing world? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of really good blogs and uh, magazines. You know, climbing magazine and Rock and Ice um, are good ones to get you stoked on getting outside and uh, having some adventure. Um, so I also, I mentioned earlier, but I have my, uh, my blog, um, that's called adventures with failure. And, um, and I kind of tell a lot of crazy climbing stories like this one and some other misadventures that I have. So yeah, yeah. Tell so, us, uh, what, what is the website? Yeah. It's, uh, just adventures with failure.com. Yeah. Okay. So it's a WordPress blog. Cool. Um, but yeah, what I've found over the years, you know, especially hanging out around the campfire and and just sharing adventure stories that it's it's always the stories where something goes wrong or nearly goes wrong that that people tend to to tell over and over again and you know um because you know when you when you tell a story and everything goes perfectly well you're like yep i did this i did this and then then we completed it and you're like okay i mean not a very exciting story, but you know when there's some misadventure and, and all that, it, it definitely uh, is a lot more fun to to tell. So that's that's kind of the the pros or the muse of your yeah your yeah. website. Cool, yeah, for very sure. cool. Um, awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, lending an hour of your time to tell uh, tell the crazy knot story, and yeah. uh, we certainly look forward to uh, to seeing you out there uh, on the trail or out there on the rock. Um, if uh, if anybody's interested in getting a hold of Tony, you can find him on his website, um, like you said, betabars.com yep. or adventureswithfailure.com. Tony, thanks, man. Hey, thank you so much.